0: yo 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 what's up everybody and welcome to the in the game podcast i am your host jordan stacks on stacks on stacks Lats. excited for a good show today We've got a good good guest on my man jabari warwood from the full court press podcast he's a big nets guy so excited to talk some groups with him um and we got We got the trade deadline here, a lot of hoops topics coming on, all the James Harden rumors, the Kyrie stuff. So excited to have him on in a little bit. But we're going to get this show started um, with some trades that went down today. And the biggest head-scratching trade in the NBA today was Tyrese Halliburton, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, a little swap there between the two. And it was a really interesting trade. And I think when it first hit, I had to, like, reread it, like, four times to make sure I was actually understanding the trade. And from the Pacers' perspective, it obviously makes a ton of sense. I mean, you get a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who's 21 years old, playing above league average, you know, 17 PER. He's playing, uh, you know, in his second year, and he's a guy that you're paying on a rookie-scale contract, so he's not owed a ton of money. And he's a piece that you can build around. And obviously, the Pacers, they've had a really bad year. They traded careless Levert um, basically for a first-round pick. So they're really looking to like scrape down and rebuild. Uh, so it's interesting trade for the Kings, though, because they get a guy like Sabonis, and the Kings have not been a good team. I mean, <laughs> this, this team is one of the worst teams in the league. They're 20 and 35. They have no chance at the playoffs. And you bring in a guy like Sabonis, who's 25 years old, making $40 million over the next two years. Um, and next year, really, you know, for, if you're looking at it from the Kings perspective, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So that means you're really hoping on what's going to happen next year. Next year, you have De'Aaron Fox. Obviously, he's been a little bit um, banged up, but... Plays suspect defense from the point guard position, a um, little bit questionable contract. You know, making thirty million max money, and then you have Demontis Sabonis, who's going to be making around twenty million uh, with incentives. And with that, and Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes, unless they move off Rashawn Holmes in the next two days, I mean, this is a team that's committing over a hundred million dollars to these guys to not make the playoffs. So they're really only going to have, you know, maybe 14 million or so in cap space. And that's, con- that's if they don't re-sign Marvin Bagley, the third, his cap hold alone is 14 million, but he'll probably get a little bit more than that. I don't see them, uh, you know, offering him a qualifying offer. I think if anything, it's going to be like a sign in trade, or at least that's what they would hope, I would assume. Um, But this is, it's been an interesting trade deadline here. Cause we're seeing teams or i should say really the pacers and the and the blazers as well moving off norman powell's contract but i think that the big thing in the nba and i'm gonna talk talk with this with jabari later too is that we're seeing is that teams want more cap flexibility now more than they want you know let's say like three guys making a ton of money because we've seen when guys making big contracts, Russell Westbrook's a great example, making $40 million this year and next, and the guy is just not that guy anymore, I mean, the Bucks tonight absolutely slaughtered the Lakers when he was on the floor, they made it respectable at the end, they still lost by 16, but when Russ was out there, I mean, that team looked bad, and they're committing $40 million, and they can't even move off it, because nobody else wants to pay Russ that money, so it's a terrible contract, you can't, like he can't play for you. He he's not good when he's in the lineup, and you can't trade it, and so that hinders you, if you're the Lakers. And I think that we're seeing now more teams want to move off, move off contracts for cap flexibility. Um Portland gave up Norman Powell, you know, for not a ton of st- in return, really, to just get off that contract because Bledsoe's an expiring contract, and everything they got back is really expiring. Then they trade C.J. McCollum again. Over 30, three years left on his deal, making almost $30 million, oft-injured, right? He's coming off of injuries now. And they get rid of Larry Nance Jr., who also has over a $15 million cap hit. So the Blazers, and people are saying, like, the Blazers came out and said they want to build their roster around Dame. And they're like, oh, you know, how can you build a roster around Dame when you just trade all that? But, I mean, they have a ton of cap flexibility, and really it's like you know are you going to be able to get a free agent to sign in portland i don't know maybe if with dame it's a possibility but i do think that's um you know that's something to be seen but back to the main issue here and that's the sacramento kings like this is a franchise that i just cannot wrap my head around what the fuck they are actually trying to do it's in they they continuously get talent Demarcus Cousins, right? Trading for Buddy Heal. Buddy Heal, you know, he's a great shooter. has his uh has his downfalls. Bogdan Bogdanovich um, draft Marvin Bagley. I mean, that, looking back on that, hindsight's always twenty twenty. They probably should have drafted Luca or Trey. But I mean, this is a team with with what we think. I mean, is talent Tyrese Halliburton? I thought the Davian Mitchell. I thought it was an interesting draft pick. I mean. Watching Davion Mitchell at Baylor last year, definitely an elite defensive guard. I think he's a little undersized at the NBA level. But, I mean, really what we're seeing is that his offense is just not there yet. And that's the biggest thing for him. And I do think that the Kings had to move off one of these guards. You can't have a roster with basically your two two point guards with Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox who both flourish doing the same things and then you got a guy like Davian Mitchell as well, which you have to bring into the fold at some time. I I wonder if they did try to if they shopped De'Aaron Fox around because I mean if I'm the Kings, I would be the guy I want to move off of because I get rid of that salary. Plus I still have Tyrese Halliburton on a rookie scale contract giving me the production that he's giving me. He's giving me production that you know, the second contract guy is getting these max second contracts are giving you, and he's only getting better, and that's the thing with this Tyrese Halliburton trade, does Sabonis make the Kings better, I mean, he's, he's a below average defender, 22 PER this year, two-time all-star, I mean, he could do it offensively, not a great three-point shooter, and now that's the thing with the Kings, they don't have good shooters on this roster, And this roster, as constructed right now, is not built for DeMontis Sabonis. So, that's what I really don't get. Like, I don't get the direction that the Sacramento Kings are trying to go in. It is mind-boggling to me. It is, I mean, I guess we'll find out what they're going to do. There is still time in the trade deadline. They could, you know, maybe, who knows, they could flip uh, Rashawn Holmes, or even who knows dude we've seen guys get traded like Rasheed Wallace got traded to Atlanta and then got traded two days later to Detroit and it was a big piece um right now Sacramento is a top six draft pick as well and this is a draft that I I think that you can get great players in the one to ten range I think you know obviously Chet Holmgren Jabari Smith are probably the two biggest game changers, and then you could throw Apollo Banchero in there as well. But I think you could get a good guy like Benedict Matherin, um, AJ Griffin. Uh, you know, there's there is some talent to be had in this in this draft. So it is interesting to see what direction they're gonna take. And and who knows, dude. Like I said, we could wake up in the morning, you know, I'm recording this Tuesday night. We could wake up Wednesday morning, Rashawn Holmes is traded. Um, and things start making a little bit more sense as to where the direction of the Kings are going. Because I think that is truly the biggest issue. Is that this is just a franchise they haven't made the playoffs since 2006. And they just have no direction. Like, we don't know the direction that this franchise is going. Every time we think they do, they turn around and just, it. Oh, this that, that franchise is a fucking mess. And if you're a Kings fan, I severely apologize for you um i'm sorry but we're gonna take a little break real quick and then we're gonna hop in with jabari uh and talk some nets we're gonna talk some lakers got a lot of hoops to talk to him about so i'm excited to get him on stay locked stay loaded we'll be right back it's nfl season and that means it's time to gamble on football don't worry
1: about spending endless nights researching games we've got you covered i'm big ball and ben larson
0: And I'm Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, lads. And I'm Steady,
1: Eddie Martin. And we are the APR Podcast. Join us every Thursday morning as we dive in and handicap every game of the upcoming week. Impress your
0: friends and family with your newfound knowledge of NFL football. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you all there. I
1: call it the annexation of Puerto Rico
0: welcome back i am pleased to be joined by a guest from the full court podcast full court press podcast sorry full court press podcast mr jabari warwood you can find him at Twitter, at Brooklyn underscore Bari. Known this cat for a minute. Uh, big Brooklyn next guy, knows everything. Brooklyn Nets in and out. Also New York Knicks, but in general, just to- total NBA hoop head. Uh, one of the more respectable cats that I like enjoying talking hoops with. So excited to have you on, dude. Um, When all this news broke with James Harden and stuff, I was like, yo, I got to get Jabari on. We got to talk about this because I I have some I have my own thoughts on it. And I I know you definitely have your own thoughts. So let's just let's get right into it. So the news broke. Uh, Woj uh, tweeted out that um, the Brooklyn Nets are now talking with the Sixers on a trade for James Harden and Ben Simmons. This coming off that four point performance and then. James Harden sat out the next game against Utah and I think that's what really sparked the speculation um you know what's your thoughts on you know any potential James Harden trade but primarily do you think that the Nets are gonna trade James Harden before Thursday's deadline
1: so to be completely honest before Coach Nash's statements recently about Brooklyn not trading Harden I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to give you a straight answer. Like, I didn't know where Sean Marks was going, how far the discussions were going with um with the GM over there, Maury in Philly. And I, I just didn't know I was prepared for a trade to happen or I was prepared to keep him. So but as of as of, like I said, as of yesterday, I believe before um yesterday's be- game began, Nash kind of cleared it up. So I'm I'm pretty content in saying Harden won't be traded. Um, prior to his
0: contract negotiations this summer so do you so to further compound on that like what's your thoughts on trading John James Harden sorry do you think that James Harden for Ben Simmons or whatever the package may be like does that entice you you know from the Nets perspective
1: um well I'll be honest in saying that I've had a, a few days to think about like how a trade, you know, how it would play out and and the, f- the future of this team as a result of a trade. Um, I think long-term, like, if I'm looking beyond just the small window, the three-, four-year window that, you know, we're supposed to win a championship, long-term, obviously, I think it'd help us because Ben Simmons is – actually, I'm not really sure his age, but I know he's young. I know he's young, like, closer 25. to, like, 20, 25, 26. Yeah, so, like – I think long term that helps us. I still believe in his talent in terms of um, what he can do, like what he's proven he can do when he's playing basketball. And we we tend to focus on what he doesn't do. And right. you know, I I have I'm guilty of that also. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. But he he's a he's a still a special player in my opinion. So if we were to get him, I wouldn't be like mad about it. I think there's definitely upside to to having him on your team to having a near seven foot point guard in your team is it, definitely upside to that. So, um, yeah. I think the trade would have more, I, I don't know how to put this. It would have more put me in a mood that these guys had to split up after, uh, uh, one season together. Cause Harden was traded for last January. Right. So it, it kind of, you know, it doesn't sit right with me. Like, last year's playoffs consisted of um, Harden and KD for the most part before Kyrie went out and then Harden wasn't full strength so we were you know planning on seeing something more close to that full strength ability this year with KD playing you know at an MVP level before his injury Um, Harden the opposite he's been you know pretty bad this year but I've seen games where it looks like okay, he's getting his legs back under him, or he's, you know, he may be recovering from this injury still, or even even adapting to new rules set over the offseason and how the offensive player is, you know, rough during these games. But I still had, you know, of course, when you have Harden, KD, Kyrie, um, you have a, a glimpse of hope, you know, like even with this mandate situation with Kyrie and Harden recovering from injury.
0: Right. So um
1: I will say I was trying to find a positive in both sides of the situation, but seeing that it doesn't look like we will have a trade, a trade will occur. um, I'm just praying for health at this point. I'm praying for health for for Harden to kind of get back into, and not really get back into a Houston Harden form, but get back into a healthy form where he's comfortable with his role in Brooklyn. Cause that's another thing that has been, you know, in speculation and reports is that, Harden, it may not be so much as the Kyrie situation as it may be him not being happy with his role or, or his role changing on a game to game basis based off of if KD's available, if Kyrie's available, and and things of that matter. So uh, it's a lot of working components in this broken situation.
0: That's a good point. Uh, I mean, my thoughts on the Ben Simmons trade, real quick, before we move on. Like, I honestly think that it's a good thing for Brooklyn because. I look at it from the from the perspective, like I look at Ben Simmons at, at his best, when he's playing his best basketball, he's like a better version of Draymond Green. He's someone you could play in a small ball five role, get him on the pick and roll where he can initiate from there as the role man or dribble handoffs as the role man as well. And he's probably the best at that role. You know what I mean? And one of Brooklyn's yeah, yeah. biggest deficiencies is that they're not good interior defensively. And Ben Simmons can play interior. He's he's a good defender one through five. Like he could legitimately guard everybody. You know what I mean. And the yeah. Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets are they're twenty third in the league in a two point field goal percentage. So everything from the three point in, like they give up. They're one of the worst teams defensively there, and they're not a good rebounding team. And I saw both issues when you got a guy like that. So I think from their perspective, I think it's a. I think it's a no-brainer, especially if you could – you might may lose Harden in the offseason, and then you get a guy like Ben Simmons who you said, like, after KD and Kyrie are done, who knows how he could – how his game could progress. I know we give him shit for, like, not attempting shots and stuff, but when you got KD and Kyrie, you just need them out there initiating and getting them in the the position where they want the ball to score, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then the the other thing, too, that you said with health is – you know, the Nets with KD, Kyrie, and Harden, they're 16-3. and three. So, when they do play together, they are a great team. And, you know, I said it on my podcast last week when I had T on, who's a Bucks podcaster, we were talking about the teams that scare us the most. And I said, honestly, a healthy Nets team still scares me the most because they could beat anybody with those three guys. But that's the thing is, like, they need those three guys healthy. Would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, and, and that's
1: a – I I agree with it. Um, They definitely need all three healthy. And that's a, you know, in a perfect world, you know, we can cry about one person being out, but that's like basketball. That's basketball. Um, In last year's run, for example, you know, aside from the Nets, a lot of teams dealt with injuries. Giannis dealt with a freak injury. And because he's a freak human being, he managed to recover from that with just one game off. But for any other player, they may have missed the rest of the playoffs you know, yeah. for a hyperextended knee, I think it was. So um, it's a big if with saying, you know, health. I'd like to at least be competitive if it were just two, any two. Like, and that's the sad thing is because if KD is not involved in that, that two, that duo of players, we're not really a competitive team with almost anyone. It seems like we play differently with him out. You brought up two points. I think you said, you definitely said we had a rebounding issue and that's been an issue since early in the season. It's like Nash had to remind guys to box out and this is not credit to Nash or anything. I have different levels of criticism on his job as a coach, but to remind, you know, these guys that they have to box out, like you guys are playing for something and it's disturbing as a fan to, to see small things like that be an issue. Um, This team compared to last year's team, Much better defensively, but still not a great defensive team. Not even good, a good defensive team. Um, they're closer to good with KD in the lineup and with KD out of the lineup. They're like bottom in the league,
0: bottom of the league. Sorry. So KD can make up for a lot of that, you know, being a seven footer. And KD's an underrated rim protector too. And I think I think when he was with Golden State, we kind of saw it a little bit more, but still I don't think people have. Literally took the words out of my
1: mouth. Like I was just about to say, like that Golden State. Like him going to Golden State, I saw him step up defensively and do a lot of things he didn't do in OKC, and I'm seeing that in Brooklyn. Like he's blocking shots, he's he's trying. You know, like he's not a perfect defender, but he's trying. And that length is, you know, it can disturb shooters. So um, to rely on this guy so much on both ends of the floor, though, it it isn't good. And you brought this up to me in the group. I feel maybe a month and a half ago, if I was concerned about KD's workload, and this is like yeah, like a month and a half before his injury, and. With the type of injury he has, I can actually say his workload may have contributed to it. So, like, the question you brought up not too long ago was, was definitely just, like, and I guess because him playing more minutes led to wins, I wasn't as concerned. But look at this now. He's out, what was it, four to six weeks, I think the initial report was, when he first went out. And, coming, and from, now they're
0: saying he's going to miss the All-Star game, too. So that's two more weeks. And we're on like, yeah, what, this is the third week, right? Or second week? Second or third week, I right? I believe
1: this is the third week. And he's definitely missing the All-Star game. I'm thinking he's trying to make a, a return after that. But, like, we fell from second, like, competing with, you know, uh, Chicago at the time for first to seven.
0: And Yeah, but you're still in, like, three and a half much better this back, year right?
1: Yeah, I was just about to say the East is much better this year, so I can't put much weight into falling all the way to seven. But it doesn't look good. And as a contender, like a championship contender, a team that has goals of winning a chip, it's, it's not a good look. Like you want your other guys to to step up in moments like you want them to 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 handle these tasks and stuff like that. And I'll put half of that blame on on Coach Nash with inconsistent rotations, inconsistent minutes. Um, Guys in and out of lineups, like getting DMPs and then playing the next game. I don't really know exactly how he's approaching coaching on that front. But the other half is Brooklyn Brooklyn's role players may just be better than advertised. Oh, sorry. They may just not be as good as they were advertised like in the offseason. Um, yeah. to, to put it simply, like, you know, targeting specifically like in the Millsap acquisition guys that played heavy minutes like Bembry. Um, a guy that played heavy minutes last year like Bruce Bound, I think they just honestly are masked by how good the stars are Um, not to say these guys aren't basketball talents but we have a lot of the same players on this team like a lot of guys that do the same exact thing that doesn't help the things that we
0: actually need or address it right I think that's a that's a great point too because there's like this new wave in the NBA, that's it's happening upon us right now. And that's really that teams are more conscious, you know, committing max money to three guys where they can't have that depth or at least good depth. Um, so now you're seeing teams like uh, really trying to like shed salary, like there's rumors of the Hawks trying to sh- shed salary because they want to be flexible moving forward when you got a guy like Trey Young and who knows. Uh, you know, the free agents are going to come up and you could sign a guy for five years. He could be good for two of them. And then the last three years of that contract, he's not as valuable. And as a Bucks fan, what, what worries me, too, is like Chris Middleton. Right. He's north of 30 now. He obviously his game is finesse. So it doesn't worry me that he's like putting a lot of wear and tear on his body. But still like north of 30, making max money. He because of that. You can't do a lot, like you can't sign a lot of free agents because that's just how the NBA cap works. Unless you have their bird rights, and it makes things like hella difficult. You know what I mean? And I think that's the Brooklyn Nets problem too. Is that aside, yeah. those three guys are making so much money that it's like they were so limited with what they could do. That you know, and they gave up a lot to get Harden. They gave up Lavert and Jared Allen. So the, mm-hmm. you know, those are those are two guys that are that are playing very well right now too. I mean, Brooklyn would probably love to have those guys, but they got Harden, and that's the that's the that's the issue when you have three guys like that. Is that you need all of them there, and if you don't have them there, you're basically screwed.
1: Exactly, fully. So you can't like, you can't rely on 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 players that were pretty much set up to be the pieces to help another three players win exactly um, i do think though they're highly touted on their own except for you know like and our best players like that can probably do things are young like you can't expect um cam thomas to do anything this season
0: realistically like dude i was just it, about you know, the fantasy say that. world
1: you know i love it but you know
0: he, he's a kid he's like 19 so i was just about to say i think they're set up in a few years with a guy like cam thomas because cam thomas is gonna be great but it's like he's not going to help you this year, like right now, you know, he maybe yeah. he, maybe he helps you guys next year, but to ask a rookie to be a consistent player night in and night out for 82 games, plus the playoffs is asking a lot, dude. There's very few guys that do that.
1: With broken situation, just to be quick on this, like as a fan, um, I have full trust in like Sean Marks as a GM um, I just, I don't know. I've always liked Sean Marks. I've always felt like since he took over the job from Billy King back in the day that he's done a good job in just making the next trend upwards. And yeah. I think he has an eye for talent too. So like, as far as like beyond the big three years goes, like I, I actually, I'm, you know, I like our owner. I like our GM. Um, I like the picks that we get, the young talent, Um, you know, even, even, with us losing games like that's the only thing i can really see that's good is like seeing camp thomas you know get minutes and play and um even sharp dayron sharp yeah has, sharp. You know, some potential um we've seen a lot of clacks uh, i have questions about his game at this point and his his um his durability
0: because yeah. honestly
1: you don't want any of these guys to be uh what i refer to as like glass players when when your top three players are in and out of the lineup so yeah, it's, it's just a lot of up and down with the nets but as far as like I always go back to a few years ago where we were like a seventh seed or eighth seed like you know just around those seeds and we weren't really um a team anyone expected to win anything obviously before the free agency where KD and Kyrie came but we always had you know competitive games and yeah. we were in games like you know teams learn to like respect us you know so right that's the identity i just want to go forward with
0: and yeah it's just rough right now <laughs> i mean i will say when when Kyrie and kd when they hired nash they came out and said like oh we don't have a head coach like that was a little concerning to me because i i like atkinson dude i think like you said he had those guys playing hard night in and night out and i thought getting rid of atkinson was uh was I mean, dude, that guy's a good coach. He's gonna like, be a head coach again. I like
1: Kenny for for the the rosters that he had. When they got rid of him, I think I understood it because I just knowing Kenny, he he doesn't really seem like a coach of like superstar talent. Yeah, like, and it's not like a uh, uh, it's not really his fault.
0: <laughs> like yeah, he didn't yeah.
1: really like, he didn't really plan for KD and Kyrie to just join the team that he's been getting better every year. He's what I'd look at as like a a player development coach.
0: Plus he came from San Antonio too. And like San Antonio, mm -hmm. the thing that made them so special is that, you know, Greg Popovich coached Tim Duncan, like he coached the 12th guy on the roster. You know what I mean? So that is a difficult transition for him. And now he's coaching under Kerr and he's coaching, you know, Curry, Clay and Draymond again, three guys that you coach exactly like the 12th man on your roster. So it is a, I do agree with that point that you made that this wasn't the roster for him. Yeah, it's a lot of
1: um, personalities on the roster. You know how Kyrie is, and I think Kyrie was the one that made that statement. And nope. um, after they hired Nash, that they don't really have a head coach. And the way <laughs> I, the more I see Nash coach, the more that statement honestly makes sense to me. Like at first, um, I didn't really want to acknowledge it because it's just something else for you know people to like kind of talk about outside of like Nets basketball and stuff like that. But Nash really seems like a another player that just yep. can't play. Yeah. And it bothers me. <laughs> like I just sometimes I just want him to check in, like, all right, you may as well check in because you're not really doing much. So yeah. but you're not really doing much. Um but I just I just hold the hope that he gets better as a coach because I like Steve Nash as a person and I always have. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like like especially to have like such a legendary player coaching mm-hmm. our team and and the staff that he's managed to have with him like Amari and I think we have like Tiago Splitter like we have like a lot of player guys like former players like I just like the staff he's put together and I you know I want Steve Nash to succeed as a coach but um
0: yeah I don't know I just hope he gets better so what's your thoughts on the on the nets going forward like what do you expect from the nets Cause I I saw you mention today that um, Kyrie is only gonna play in one game until what is it, the 26th of February. Yeah,
1: well, I think between until the 26th of February, I think it's two games. Okay. And then there's a span where he's not playing for like two weeks or something like that.
0: So I mean, what's your my expectation? Where do you see where, where do you what, see the... this team by the playoffs? Do you see them? What seed do you see them around? With
1: the way, well, currently we're in the seventh seed at twenty nine and twenty four, right. um, and Boston, Charlotte, they're right behind us. Atlanta's a little bit under five hundred in a playing spot. Um, honestly, <laughs> t- being the most optimistic I be, like I can be, I don't see us getting back to a top two seed. I think the most we can get to
0: is maybe four. Do you think that maybe Four, benefits three. you guys though in the long run? Because yeah, having Kyrie that would be my only next play point. away games—that
1: would be my next point. With um, it, with the rules how they are, and them not really—I don't know if they're going to change anytime soon. It's it's anytime it needs to be extended, it has been the mass mandate and um the vaccine mandate in indoor places in New York. With that still being a factor, it I think it does benefit us if i'm being honest we don't have much of a home field advantage at the barclays center regardless um we don't have like one of the loudest crowds um attendance is is fine it's new york but like this is like a half new fan base
0: half jersey
1: fan base um there's a lot of just fans of basketball that comes to nets games that a lot of these guys that are fans of, um, players like LeBron Curry. You've seen him chant for LeBron Curry at the Barclays center. So home field advantage is not, it's not really crazy. Honestly, I don't think we have a home field advantage. I just think, um, if we went at home, we went at home. Um, <laughs> so I think it benefits us if we're the lower seed, you know, because in that situation, if, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Kyrie plays one extra game, right? Yep. It'd be a game seven away, right? Yeah. So I think I think that benefits us great tremendously with the way this roster is constructed. If nothing else happens at the deadline, like outside of Harden,
0: we definitely need Kyrie to play more games than not. So outside of the Harden trade, have you heard of any rumors that potentially the Nets could go out and acquire? Is it all on the buyout market?
1: Um, outside of the Harden trade. I haven't heard any news about anything the Nets may be doing. I have like my own, you know, fantasies and stuff like that. I haven't from any legitimate source, at least haven't heard any news on um what Marks may be planning, if anything. Um, And if nothing does happen, then, <laughs> you know, we, we've been going through it already, but if nothing does happen, like if no changes are made, um, we're pretty much relying on our big three to to both be healthy and be able to play together. And unfortunately, in Kyrie's situation, like nothing dictates that more than the law. It doesn't seem like he's willing to change his stance at this point. Um, from some of the post game conferences I've managed to watch after Nets games, when he has played, when they were asking him these questions, it doesn't seem like much has changed. It seems like he's more willing to out outlast the law then abide by you know the the standards that have set and i respect his decision it's hard as a as a fan but as a a human being i respect his decision
0: yeah i mean he's got to do what he's got to do yeah you know what i mean I, I respect it as well um and also joe harris dude joe harris uh, report came out today that he may need a second surgery could be out for the season that, that's a blow like how do you make up for joe harris's production um you don't you can't
1: we can't we literally i'll explain why um offensively the closest thing outside of the big three to joe harris is patty mills you want to know a big difference between patty mills and joe harris patty mills patty is mills like is six five feet. eleven <laughs> yeah i i, joe I, I, I stood is, next is, to him in person six, He's seven six six patty mills is you stood next is, to
0: patty yeah because he went to St. Mary's and uh and he went around the same time uh one of my homegirls went there so mm-hmm. I used to go to their games all the time and he is like definitely the same height as me and we're I'm six feet so he's he's like six feet pushing it dude pushing it for sure he's a very I love, short
1: I love the Patty Mills acquisition I think he was the best acquisition we had actually um to fill in for what Spencer Dinwiddie did for our team. Um, I think he's filled in. He's done, you know, a little bit of what he does. Um, he's had more good games than bad. But, like, you know, like we were just saying, he's 5'11". Joe Harris is 6'6", honestly.
0: And Joe Harris Adelaide is an underrated 6'7". defender as well.
1: I was just about to get into that. It's usually clips of him getting, like, dunked on or abused. And, and like, he's getting pushed by players that are much stronger than him like the thing is he's guarding these players that's the thing that i look at like he's guarding these players and offensively joe harris is you know for if you're not looking at nets games like you look at joe harris and you see three-point shooter three-point shooter spot up three-point shooter catch and shoot joe harris drives off the dribble and he's not like ineffective at it (laughs) you know what i'm saying like he's not bad his later package isn't bad i've seen up and unders like he definitely brings a lot to the game um a lot just a lot size shooting um people wouldn't label him as three and d but he tries so he's three and d to me as as far as like nets players go like we either have you can shoot or you can defend there's nothing in between like (laughs) so joe harris is the closest thing to that to us and he's greatly missed the news that he may need a second surgery or um, I didn't really look into the report because it was just sad. But from what I gathered, it seems like he's been having more delays in his um in his progress in his rehab, and he may need a second surgery or something like that. It's sad. Like Joe Harris is big for us, and like Nets fans and groups will always like when he has been available to us. They they're horrible to him because it seems like in the playoffs he shrinks or his numbers go down. And yeah, they have. Like I can't really. Sit here and make excuses for it, but Joe Harris is like our fourth option. Like, like he's important, and I'd rather him in a playoff run stinking it up than not having his him there, not having the spacing that he brings. Because you can't leave him. Like, it's just I can't wait till he gets back healthy. And he's been so consistent for us since since we attained him a couple years back. He he pretty much was on no one's radar.
0: You know, I mean he he shot poorly against the Bucks in the playoffs, but he was a big component for what they did because he made it so it was very difficult to double kd so pj tucker right. had to play kd one-on-one and Straight i think up. a mm-hmm. I think a big reason why he struggled was because chris middleton was on him and middleton is a above average defender and he's six seven with a seven one wingspan like you know that's that's a tough dude to shoot over and so i think that was the the biggest concern why he why he shot poorly but he was still like even though he wasn't hitting shots and people don't really see this, but he was making this so the Bucks couldn't double KD at all. Like, right? You know what I mean? Like he was—they had to respect him as an offensive weapon, and that's huge. That's just as important as hitting shots. You know what I mean?
1: It, it's huge, and and people go back to KD's um, performance and. Where he had like 49 or something like in one of them games. Like, he doesn't have he's KD dog, he's like, he doesn't he's have to get those regardless. Like, he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna have these, these games, but it's like these specific games where they're locked into him. Like, if they're able to double him, if they're yeah, able makes to have difficult. PJ and someone, like it makes it really difficult. So, like you said, like he's he's important when he's not hitting shots, he's important, and when he is, like
0: it's a wrap (laughs) that's how we go
1: up 30 40 at times like we need joe harris like we need him we need kyrie we need everyone that we're paying and you know it's just unfortunate circumstances right now but we have three
0: superstars on our roster so i don't think anyone should feel bad for us before before we move on real quick if you are you're the nets ambassador i need you to talk everybody off the ledge right now
1: talk everyone off the ledge as as to as far as like not like, like everyone is freaking out for the
0: Nets, yeah, everyone is freaking oh, out um, about the Nets that they're like, oh, it's a wrap, blah blah blah. Because I keep telling everybody, like, yo, they're a sleeping giant, dude. Like they're still the only team in the East that I don't want to face. I I I don't care about any other team in the East, dude. I think the Bucks can beat every other team in the East in seven games. The only team that concerns me is the Nets. And the fact that they're, like, a seven seed, like, I do not want to be a two seed and have to face them in the first (laughs) round, dude. I'm I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious, bro. Like, that's – I don't want to see it, especially with the fact that they would get Kyrie for four games. I don't want to see it. Listen,
1: if I have to talk folks off the ledge, I'll say this. Um, The Nets still have KD signed. KD is a player I believe is – not by any gap or anything like that, but I believe he's the best player on the planet right now. For maybe last year, going into this year, he has a small window left, and I think he he loves basketball. It's when he he's does. playing, so he talks about he's definitely addicted to this game. So I think he still has a lot left to prove. Um, Kyrie Irving, I mean, if we had him full time, in my opinion, I think we're scary because Kyrie Irving is just a wizard on the court. Like these guys we have basketball players like guys that really put a lot into the sport and just to to add James Harden to that duo you know it, it put us over the top and these guys are still on the roster we still have a lot of time left none of them have season ended injuries um you just gotta wait and see you gotta wait and see what's what's the game plan the laws can change um if I'm being optimistic you know laws can change at any point you never know one day you'll wake up and you'll get a notification saying Kyrie Irving can play in every game now. So yep. un- until, I think these coming, guys are, until these guys aren't Nets, until they're showing clear signs of being washed hard in the side, I'll give them a little pass because of, I don't know, like, I don't know why I'm giving them a pass, but I will. Cause I guess I'm a fan hard in the side though. Like we still have these guys on a roster. They're three of the, some of the greatest players to, to ever play the sport and, yep. and, like you said earlier in the episode, this big three together has a hell of a record. So just if you're with us, stay with
0: us. There we go. All right. So you being a Hoops fan, I got to bring this up because there's a as much going on in Brooklyn. There's going on in L.A. And something obviously the entire season, if you've been living under a rock, uh, you know, Lakers fans not happy with Russell Westbrook. And it really came to a head this Saturday when he got the ball and was contemplating shooting and everybody in the arena said, don't shoot. (laughs) And like, you could hear it, dude. Like it was crazy. Um, And then AD after the game, he mentioned in his press conference saying that, you know, what Russ is in his head and he needs to get out of his head. But you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on where the Lakers are at? Obviously they've been better since AD returned. LeBron came back Saturday. They erased a 20 point deficit against the Knicks, but you know, where do you see this Laker team as constructed being? And do you think they make a move?
1: Um a move. <laughs> I don't I don't know how easy it is for the Lakers to make a move because of very how difficult their rosters construct. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty, I think their move was maybe signing Stanley Johnson for the season. I think he brings a, a level of effort that was missed until they did sign him. He he did, you know, help a little bit. But as things stand, they're what two games under 500. They're the ninth seed, Um, right under the LA Clippers, who's missing Kawhi and Paul George. So AD has been impressive since his return. Uh, he's been great. But the thing about AD is like what he brings to the Lakers and what he has brought since being a Lakers defensive identity. Um, just like we were talking about with the Nets players, he's he's not the most durable player. Um. He has, he comes with a lot of, he comes with a lot of things like at times he doesn't, you know, want to play certain positions. Um. It doesn't, it doesn't look good to me. It doesn't look good to me. Like with even watching Westbrook, I've watched him all season. I have him rostered in, in a fantasy league, unfortunately, <laughs> Um <laughs> it it, it, like even watching i've watched westbrook his whole career he's always been erratic he's always played the game faster than he needs to he's always been lost at the end of games defensively but what he hasn't always done is hit the top of backboard on mid-range shots this (laughs) guy's aiming for the bank on every shot i really feel like his nerves or or pressure for playing for his hometown team or something's getting to him and yeah. and Russ has always been advertised as a player that's fearless, that that nothing really gets to. It seems like we're now seeing that I, mean, I, I think I, I honestly do think it's it's the pressure. Um people will say he's been in, the, in a decline and we've been seeing, you know, more of his true colors since the OKC triple double days. But I, I watched him in Washington last year, and while I, I can't say he was great, he wasn't he wasn't this bad. So um it's disturbing. Like, eh, I can't really say. I can't really use that word. I'm not by any means a Laker fan, but I am a LeBron fan. And to see them, to see a LeBron led team where LeBron isn't even like, yeah, he's thirty. How old is he now? Thirty eight. Thirty seven. He isn't the problem. He isn't even near the problem. Thirty seven. He isn't even near the problem as to why Bro, the without Lakers...
0: without him they're trash
1: <laughs> like that. Now without him they're they're competing with the Rockets and OKC for bottom three. Yeah, um, honestly. that's how so, important
0: he is, dude. And, and that's and,
1: crazy. And it just doesn't, it doesn't really, nobody expected this. You don't expect them to be under the Clippers, like I said, or under uh, a Cat D.Lo, Patrick Beverly, uh, Anthony Edwards, Timber, Timberwolves. Jokic doesn't have Jamal Murray, MPJ. They're the sixth seed. Luke is playing, you know, I can't say he's playing by himself. KP has been showing up this season to his credit. But he hasn't been available all the time, so he's been playing by himself lately. He's in the fifth seed. Utah, it, I guess they've won two straight. Rudy's been gone. When Rudy first went out, they lost four straight, and you know they managed to stay in the in the top four. And Memphis, yes, I, don't, I don't see them, you know, just sliding off. And then, well, I think I, the, that leaves what Golden State and Phoenix. So it's I think like the top Columbus three in the is West
0: just, is a lock golden state sure. phoenix memphis i think that's those are the top three seeds i don't see anybody the,
1: the lakers if they're looking up all they can really look up at is the teams that are also injured that are better than them as far as record goes like you're looking up at the clippers the wolves you got to take these spots back yeah. um it's by by. it's no reason why you should be in a plan or even the eighth or seventh seed with lebron james ad on your roster westbrook aside those two should be good enough to to at least you do a top six seed, in my opinion. Absolutely. So um, people, well, I will say people have had a lot of heat on Vogel. Um, I'm not really understanding it. No. As a guy that just said, I have some issues with my coach. I don't see Vogel as an issue. Like, I don't, I'm not seeing what people are seeing. Like, he's had some questionable lineups. Uh, I'll counter that by saying this is a questionable roster.
0: So. Yep. <laughs> facts, dude. A hundred percent facts. I agree like this roster construction dude everybody gives me shit for taking the bulls under 43 and a half wins but my best bet of the preseason was lakers under 54 and a half it was an absolute lock i said it was an absolute (laughs) lock and i Mm -hmm. said i said even if they got on track it was going to take them 20 to 30 games to figure things out with Russ, LeBron, and AD because Russ and LeBron are the same player, but LeBron is like a million times better than Russ. You know what I mean? Or he's also bigger. But I I know you said you don't know if Russ has necessarily declined. And I I definitely – I think he has because he doesn't finish at the rim definitely as well as he once did because I do think that his athletic prowess is kind of declining and he hasn't – he's not a good jump shooter, which is something that ages well, right? Right. Um, and he's never been a great defender. And you said like this team, when they won the championship, they were a great defensive team, but now it's like a, they have, they have such a weird roster, dude. It's either they have great defenders and guys that can't hit shots like Kent uh Avery Bradley Bradley. And, or they got guys that can shoot like Malik Monk, but can't play a lick of defense. You know what I mean? So it's just such a Jekyll and Hyde team. And I agree. Like, I don't know if there's a move to be made because Tht is played down, and that's another guy that plays just like Russian Lebron. It's like I don't know what the hell they were thinking when they when they constructed this roster. Um, I do know why they added Russell Westbrook because it, Lebron wanted to take games off and didn't want to have to initiate as much so he could like save his legs for the playoffs. But yeah. here he here he is, thirty seven years old, and. This team is literally dog shit unless he goes off, dude. Like he has to score thirty points for them to win a game. It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I just don't they know don't if he have can, much of a hope. Um, yeah, if like Westbrook can
1: can get a little better, but he's not gonna he's not gonna turn into
0: what Laker fans want him to turn into at all um, i mean i don't and, even know what they want him to, what do they what do they want him to be like he's not going to be a three and d guy you know what i mean he can't well yeah me. the, I,
1: the, his whole game is like been predicated on athleticism pretty much and he wasted a lot of that left athleticism jumping for rebounds that he didn't need to and now he can't jump for dunks like how many dunks have you seen westbrook actually complete this season if you Other take away that, that Rudy over, Gobert, Gobert highlight, yeah. yeah. if you take that away, like I can't really think of – yeah, he's probably dunked a few times, but I can't think of anyone that he's put on a poster. Yeah. Um, Or and, – and and how many meaningful baskets has he hit? I mean, he um, said a
0: couple of meaningful threes, w- but
1: – I was just about to say, like I've watched maybe more so in the last two to three weeks. I've watched some games where he actually – you know, contributed to the Lakers trying to win. And then in that same span, I've seen them play better when he was benched.
0: Yep. So, Like an it, OT it's against just, the Knicks. Mm-hmm. They
1: That's had crazy. a tough L, I think, to the Hawks, too. One of those weekend games I was watching not too long ago. I think it was last weekend, actually. And defensively, they just gave up, like, I was going to make up a number, like, 34 in, like, the fourth quarter. And that combined with the third quarter, they lost a, a
0: decent lead to literally just Trey Young, like yep. just one person. They're not good defense. Well, oh, they have a good defensive lineup, but then that lineup can't score. So they really good. They got to figure it out and they got to figure it out quick.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: All right. So before I get you out of here, because I know it's late in New York right now, Jabari is joining us from Brooklyn. So he's a real, real New Yorker. And you could tell from his <laughs> accent as well I know uh but I gotta ask you about your New York Giants um and Brian Dable so Brian Dable hiring what's your what's your thoughts on that so honestly
1: (laughs) to get away from Joe Judge was amazing um (laughs) it was it was actual (laughs) Daniel Jones though yeah but he's a player and we can I don't know I just to be locked into just one person as your head coach um Joe Judge I just wasn't a fan of him. I didn't know much about him when he got hired, so I was just being optimistic. And you and everybody quickly, else, very quickly, it was I let down <laughs> <laughs> on 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 you know multiple occasions. And it's hard to be let down when you don't really have much expectations from your team. It's like, damn, you guys are playing worse than I thought, and I already thought you would be bad. But <laughs> with the Brian <laughs> Brian double hiring, um, as far as I know, like he's been involved in football as long as I've been watching football and he's not like an old guy he's only like I don't know like 45 46 but he was like a defensive assistant with what the Patriots in 2000 wide receivers coach with the Patriots quarterback coach of the Jets offensive coordinator of the Browns and then he held those jobs for you know the Dolphins the Chiefs back with the Pats for three years tight ends coach like a lot, a lot, a lot of experience. And the experience he has is meaningful to me because it's winning experience. It's not just experience, which is I value either way, but he, he's gone deep. He's gone deep with teams. Um, they've won, they've experienced losses. Um, coming off of being offensive coordinator for the Bills, I thought, I thought he was amazing there. I thought he, yep. you know, did as decent a job as anyone could have done in that situation I just tried turned like the higher. he turned
0: Josh Allen around like Josh Allen before him we were all saying dude this guy's a bust then Brian Dable comes in and now we look at Josh Allen as MVP
1: <laughs> exactly exactly and I don't expect those same um results with Daniel Jones or anything like that but I do I do like this guy I think he he should be able to pick a quarterback that he wants to work with, whether we're trading for him or we're trying to draft him. Um, I think That's it. We should, That's it. I, th- the main thing with the Giants right now, I think we need is like an identity change, like within the organization. I think we, we resemble nothing of, yeah, we don't resemble anything of those um, Tom Coughlin teams that, that actually did something. So I just like the hiring. I think of the candidates that were available, he was one of the better ones.
0: Yep. No, I mean, honestly, I think he's the best candidate available. I think the Giants got the best one on the market. It was an interesting decision. I didn't understand why he would take the Giants job because the Giants are in a cap mess, dude. They have a, a mess of a situation. And I think if the Giants are honest with their fan base, if they're like, hey, look, like this is going to take two years. We got to get off from under these bad contracts. We got to draft some young talent. And then, you know, next, you know, three years from now we could be competing. I think it's a great situation because mm-hmm. if you get Brian Dable and he gets the right guys, like you said, finds his own quarterback. I don't necessarily think that they're that quarterback is in this draft, but definitely could be in the the next draft. I mean, Bryce Young, for example, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. that's the perfect type of quarterback for Brian Dable. And I think if they are honest with the fan base and they allow them to build this thing to tear it down and rebuild it from the ground Mm -hmm. i think i think the giants could get back to that super bowl prominence dude like i think they got something going man
1: to answer your question because i did have the same question is like why is he interested in this job like why there's a few teams that need yeah i mean outside of new york but then i looked into it and it seems like it's new york It, it seems like he's a, he's from ontario canada he's right above us he went to high school in Athol springs new york and he went to college in rochester so that buffalo job he was like right in his territory his home. the giants the giants job you know he's a little further but he's still there he's still right there so i think he just has a desire to coach these new york like a team that's has significance to him yep. and and that's probably it and we're just we should be lucky that uh such a good candidate for for a head coaching position you know decided to stick stick it out with a team that I guess is close to him rather than a better option because he definitely had better options well
0: the only the only reason why I say like I didn't understand why you took the job is because nowadays in this you know 2022 it's like if you suck you get like two years and then you're gone you know what I mean very rare very rarely is an owner in a fan base like okay you know we're gonna suck for a couple of years but we're gonna be good in the long run like nobody has that patience anymore so they don't allow you to to do that so if ownership and the fan base and the the ownership comes out and tells the fan base like hey like we're gonna suck for a minute like sorry but this is how it's gonna be which is an issue too because we're seeing it with steven ross and the miami Dolphins. so you got to kind of you just got to kind of Tell your families, hey, you got to be patient. And you're from New York, dude. You guys have no patience. At all. all. uh, You guys have no patience, dude. You guys are a city that never sleeps. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, I just want to tell Giants fans, be patient. Brian Dable is a great, great coach, dude. Y'all got the best coach on the market. And he is going to turn that that ship around. If they make the playoffs next year, and they're in the NFC East, so anything's possible. But... (laughs) If they if they somehow make the playoffs, I mean that that is the coaching job of the century, dude. Yeah.
1: Now he like, he needs a bonus if he if he turns things around that quick. Like, come on, it would but be unreal, I, I, dude. I'd like to re like re re echo those sentiments that you just said about just giving this guy some time to operate. I think we should give him time to continue to grow. Yeah, he's like I I did say he's been around the league since two thousand. But as far as I yeah, this is his first head coaching gig, and nope. we need to treat it as such, give him time to grow, um, and and not be so obnoxious, which is, is hard to ask New Yorkers to be. <laughs> so <laughs> Good I, luck.
0: I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I'm gonna get you out of here because I know it's late in New York. I very much appreciate you coming on, Barry. Like for real. Uh, make sure to go follow him at brooklyn underscore Bari on twitter make sure to check out the full court press podcast which comes out like three times a week now it's that we're at two times a week but um i don't
1: know maybe three soon
0: <laughs> all right two times a week make sure to check them out you can check them out on apple spotify wherever you get your podcast any court press anything, anywhere
1: you can listen to podcasts check us out i appreciate it brian i really do um so i said brian jordan <laughs> hey
0: just because we're both white dude come on man <laughs> <laughs> brian's my guy i'm gonna have him on the talk on Celtics soon for sure can't wait
1: oh you'll you'll love it like talking with that guy is just a
0: <laughs> oh man I we wish, did a... i wish we were doing something sooner because brian's just something else like we used to do a college podcast together, but then uh, you know life happened for both of us, and we had to kind of yeah. uh, put it aside because it was a little difficult. But man, I love I love Brian. And he was on our live draft uh, pod last last year. We did we were live for the entire NFL draft, dude. Me, Brian, and uh, Ben, dude. That shit was fucking laughs, dude. But anyways, Jabari, have a great night, brother. I you too, appreciate bro. you again at Brook at. Brooklyn underscore Bari. That's his Twitter handle. Full Court Press Podcast. Make sure to tap in. I'll definitely be talking to you later, brother.
1: Later, bro. Y'all have a good one.
0: You too. All right. Thank y'all for joining me. Thank you to Jabari for hopping on. Make sure to go check him out at the full court press podcast. You can catch him on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your um, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also catch him on Twitter at Brooklyn underscore Bari awesome time talking hoops thank y'all for joining me once again i will be back with apr with ben and eddie on friday morning talking super bowl prop bets everything every single bet you can imagine we will be talking about for the big game make sure to tap in we'll also be doing a tsp wagers this week um probably saturday to get more into other prop bets, because uh, I mean, dude, there's just so many bets to be talked about this week. So we got a lot, to, lot of money to be made. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, thank you for rocking with me. Catch me at Twitter at Jordan Rules TSP. I'll talk to y'all later. Please. It's in the game.